Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Eating disorders can be crippling. Our next guest had a 15-year journey that she almost didn't make it out of. She was candid, she was open, she was raw, and she shared her story in a really compelling way, and it's really the point of this entire podcast. We want to hear real stories. We want to understand vulnerabilities and different things that people go through. And it's where we've seen the most success in people actually going to get help not just through the podcast, but through what we do at Move Your Mind as a whole and what we've been doing for over 10 years. Lexi Crouch is an expert by experience in the field of eating disorders. She's a professional speaker and educator, has a Bachelor of Health Science, has worked comprehensively in media and has published a number of articles. She's also passionate about the mental health space. Thanks so much to all of you for listening to Move Your Mind, for tuning in every week, for watching our videos, and for just supporting us in general. We really can't do it without you. The Move Your Mind book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. We've just launched a new Move Your Mind website with links to the community platform, and you can find all of that at moveyourmind.me. And Underbrax is celebrating its 10-year anniversary with a dollar of every pair going towards supporting mental health. And you can order your pairs at www.underbrax.com. Lexi, thank you so much for making the time to come on the podcast. I'm glad we finally got here. Uh, Coordinating between time zones and saying to you earlier, I'm like really happy to be doing this at 7 p.m. in in New York. I'm used to doing interviews occasionally, even at like 3 in the morning. So uh, it's kind of nice to have an early night yeah yeah um the difference here being like 9 a.m in australia making um i guess that morning connection as well so it is lovely that we've been able to meet and connect as well yeah no really glad to be able to connect so i i guess before we go into it i normally ask the guest if you can give a bit of a background on your story really where you've come from what you've been through and how you got to where you are today yeah, Nick, it's um, honestly um, been on a bit of a journey through life, but wouldn't have changed it to be where I am today. Um, I guess I am 34 years old now um, and um, went through quite the journey. So starting when I was young, around seven years old, um, I developed signs of an eating disorder, which fully turned into become a lot of my life to date. And um, during this time, as I said, I'm 34 years old now, um, eating disorders weren't really spoken of back then. So this is probably, I guess, about the 90s. Um, So if you think of things uh, in regards to health and weight, our icons back then were Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers. And um, I guess what we know about health and well-being and lifestyle now, that just wasn't around back in that time. And it was very a linear approach to life. So for me to fall into the grips of an eating disorder early, I was your general seven years old, um, had a bit of puppy um, puppy fat, so to say. Um, you know, nothing too alarming about what, if you think of a seven-year-old, and I've got a daughter who actually she's six at the moment, um, what that's kind of like, you're growing and, um, you know, you're not really thinking about your body at all or where you should be. But I um, received some taunting on the playground, so some bullying essentially, uh, essentially um, about my weight, and it was a real different experience. So this is where I got to learn a lot about life and who I was. I remember um, taking that comment and having this conversation with you today. That's something that affected my life. So um, I guess to the point of a comment might be made and it might roll off the back of somebody um, and they can go on with life, but for somebody... 
I guess, comments and finding out who you are, you can really quite take them seriously. So mm. when I was that age, it was, um, I just fell into the grips of um, obsess- obsessive dieting, um, exercise and really controlling my food. So I'd been um, really doing that. And it was quite hard to point out at that age as well is, is this what a person's like or is this person experiencing an illness? Because um, what I've come to know about eating disorders in my time is they are fully functional. You can completely fly under the radar with an eating disorder, live a life, but internally you are, so to say, dying, like you're just not having a good time. So it was around mm. the age of 14 that, yeah, physically things had really taken a hold. And as I said, this was a strange time, so it still it might be about the early 2000s here. And, um, you know, nobody spoke about eating disorders or mental health. And even actually while we're talking today, it is um, Are You Okay Day in Australia. So, you know, we've had these changes now where there are conversations. But back then when I was 14, it was, you know, um, you might be able to relate to Nick. It's kind of like you might have heard something and no one was really to just open up and have an organic conversation about someone's life. It was more a whisper about somebody or something and then you know it's kind of a you didn't talk about that you just got on and got on with life so it become really physically noticeable that I'd had an eating disorder at this time and um, as I said fully functional did well at school and although I'd experienced this bullying when I was young that was once like I had a wide group of friends and um, you know life was so to say on the outside pretty great Um, but I was battling this demon. So I remember my parents getting together with my school thinking maybe it was a great idea um, if I was removed from the school. Um, I grew up in Brisbane. I went to a girls' school there and um, was sent up the hill to a little town called Toowoomba to boarding school thinking that a bit of a country change or something in there might uh, snap me back, which Back then, in the early 2000s, again, we don't know what we know about mental health then, um, that sounded like a really good idea. Like, why don't we remove someone from the situation and start a new life and things will be great? So it kind of sounded good to me as well at that time. And what I knew then is I didn't really believe I was in the depth of something. And this is the tricky thing with anorexia and eating disorders is you can you can hear something inside that goes you know, you're okay, just go a little bit further. So it's really hard to believe for an individual to believe that there's something wrong, especially when you're still performing the exact same tasks that someone might do when you're extremely undernourished. So I went to school. I actually ended up doing really quite well there. So I became school prefect and did the things. I was in um, the state uh, cross-country team, but I fell really badly into the grips of anorexia there. So it was kind of like what the illness really wanted and um, not a great recipe for eating disorders or mental health. It was, I remember being surrounded by at least, you know, 400 girls, like very close proximity, but to a space that it was, again, no one really knew what was going on. And that says a lot about, you know, mental health and mm. I can speak um, personally about eating disorders. And basically it just let me go to go to town. So as I said, I did quite well at school, which meant I had a private room and um, it really took control of me. I um, really liked, um, or what I'd known in society was, um, you know, it was go to school, do well at school, you'll get a good job and that's what you needed to do life. So eating disorders are very literal. I took that very, very seriously and um, I remember my trigger was stress. So um, studying really hard, I got to my final year and it was in Queensland, um, Australia. We do a thing called QCS back in my day. So I remember studying and studying and um, the perfectionism side of um, the illness kind of clicked in. So you weren't thinking about eating, you were just kind of thinking about performing at your best. And um, I remember the day of the exam, I just walked in and um, never made it. I was called by the school nurse um, to come get checked out. And it was quite interesting because, again, fully functional at this point, but things had gotten pretty serious. Um, And that's when I started my admissions uh, through hospital and never went back to school, so never finished year 12. And this is, I like to say that this was one of my biggest changing points in life. So I'd been brought up in a way that I thought, this is how you're meant to be, this is what you're meant to do. And life kind of just took 
took that away pretty quickly to go, you're not going to finish school. You're not going to get a job. This is you. So I had to dive into some deep thinking pretty early in life. And um, I found myself in the midst of anorexia. So quite severely from the ages of 17 to 24, um, I spent my time in um, hospital cycles. So um, that was a lot of refeeding through um, nasogastric tubes. Um, and basically, it just took a hold of my life. So at this time, a lot of my friends were going to university, you could see them, you know, getting into relationships. And um, I just didn't even know where life was going to take me. It was pretty much a struggle to get through the day. And um, being in the health position I was in, it really was a day to day basis. So saw a lot of things during that time. And um, the battle went on for me for 15 years. So that had taken up essentially everything I'm kind of known for myself. And I say this is a blessing. I wouldn't have seen it at the time, but it was with eating disorders and anorexia specifically, um, you know, it's a very linear kind of mindset you have at the time. So you're doing a lot of measuring, you know, you're trying to meet goals through calculations and in your head you think that that's how life should be. In a bigger picture, that's not how life is, but you try to keep that control element. And um, what I've learned um, through my time now after going on to study is um, bodies aren't linear. Life isn't linear. Nothing mm. is. So what happened was from doing something I've been doing my whole life through the ways of starvation, it wasn't adding up anymore. And um, I got myself into some quite um, pretty serious health positions and, um, you know, it was that wondering if I was going to make it through. But what happened for me, which was my blessing, was I got so sick and tired of being sick and tired, which really put me onto a recovery path. And um, it was the biggest journey I've ever taken was recovery. I'd like to say that that's probably harder than the eating disorder itself. And this just required a lot of work. It required a lot of soul searching and just things that were very, very, very uncomfortable. So I'd done some rounds of um, very conventional treatment. Um, I grew up in a medical family. So my stepdad was a doctor, my mom's a nurse. And we kind of went down that um, track. And although that was keeping me alive, it was not really calling to my essence at all. So I am a strong believer of um, when you are ready to do the work or really ready to step up in life, the things will appear. So I've not mm. known it anyway. And, you know, I've had my time of, you know, crying on my bedroom floor going, why isn't this working? You know, why is life like this? But I've come to know that when you're ready, the right tools will appear, the right people weren't. I really, I'm a strong believer of that. So I felt like I'd seen it all, Nick. I was like, yep, done this, recovery, done my time, like, you know, you, you tend to think that, you know, like the system when you know it well, but um, mm -hmm. really took a different kind of path. So I um, started to explore some alternative therapies. So um, I really got into yoga. And this is interesting because I wasn't a free-spirited yoga girl or into um, any of this, like, spirituality or anything. As I said, I was a very linear where's the data bring it on so it was just not something that I would have gone oh yeah yoga sounds great um let's give this a try and I remember I walked into my first um yoga class like when I gained actual health recovery it was um was more and that's the thing with eating disorders as well is you can recover physically but you've still got a lot of mental work to do so I remember going into my first yoga class and you know I must have I must have been rock bottom because I didn't really think that it was too much. And um, to be fair, I walked in and I hated it. So I sat there on my mat and it was that whole just having to be with yourself for, it must, honestly, it must have been like two minutes, Nick. Um, hmm. But I can tell you, it felt like eternity. And I just remember packing up my mat. I was about 24 years old at this time too and going, look, this is just not for me. So I had that experience <laughs> going, all right, like, you know, tried this, not anything that I need. But what I came to know was, you know, I had to explore a little bit deeper. I had to take myself a little bit further to come back and um, appreciate something. And then it was a few years later that that's what started to click for me. It was that feeling of peace. Um, you know, whatever was happening at a physical level or even beyond that, it was 
something that I was trying to seek, which to be fair, that's what the eating disorder tried to do all along. So I came to know that, um, you know, starving yourself, you're trying to put yourself into a state to feel good, much like um, drug and alcohol addiction. You know, there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. You're just trying to find a state that removes you from an uncomfortable feeling. And that's what eating disorders do essentially as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, I got onto a yoga path and, um, it was like this feeling had been replaced. It was now building me up, but you still had that feeling of light, freedom, and peace. So that really took me on a whole different path to explore where I went with my study. Um, I went on to, to study clinical nutrition. So what food could do for you, whereas my view had always been, you know, eat this many calories and, you know, your output is this and, you know, that's health. Whereas I learned to know a whole broad meaning of, um, you know, physical health versus mental health and um, the impact of what the right foods do for you and how you feel good and, you know, the production of hormones in your body as well that all contribute, which are part and parcel to eating disorders as well. So when your brain is starved, your body is starved, you're not clearly thinking, you develop these symptoms of depression, anxiety, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, all due to the lack of starvation. So where it was, my um, recovery took me on such a phenomenal journey and it was hard. It was just, you know, it replied this level of discipline of just showing up for yourself in the worst state, but also it created um, this whole different lifestyle, which has kind of led me to where I am now and um, working in the space um, with not just eating disorders specifically, um, I work with all different um, issues in mental health and nutrition and um, basically coming through my own lived experience. um, I've just felt that it was once you kind of feel something in yourself, it's time to get back in other elements. So, yeah, Nick, that's um, the long of the short of where the journey is for me today. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, first of all, thank you for um, going so in-depth and sharing that with our audience and It is a pretty amazing journey. And as you were talking through it, I think so many different points were coming up about, you know, different different topics that that can be discussed and that are applicable in in so many different areas. But I think it's just such a um, so important that we're talking about these range of issues and eating disorders are such a massive issue in the world. And like so many things, like whether it's addiction mental health related problems, whatever it is we're dealing with, a lot of a lot of this doesn't get talked about enough. And as you were saying, I think a lot of it sounds like a lot of it what you were going through relates to so many different things. If you're um, not coping and you're using something, whether it's drugs, alcohol, you've an eating disorder, whether it's um, whatever whatever it is to to not have to sort of be still and, you know, look deeper into yourself and as a way to try and um, control everything. Uh, and a lot of us don't realize it. So we need to talk about these different things. And I think in, in this area, you know, it really, it really does need to be discussed like that. I mean, is it something that you were, you were touching on when you talked about it, but do you, have you found sort of what a lot of those key points apply to just so many different areas of, um, of life that people are, are struggling with um, and using to cope? Oh, a hundred percent, Nick. And I always say that it's, if you're feeling uncomfortable, that is the best starting point. It's, mm. um, you know, it's, you know, it's a pretty different world we live in now. It's um, even if you think mm. of the last couple of years, like there's just so much technology. It's, you know, everything's available at the fingertip that, you know, it has really taken away that element of, you know, being with yourself. Like at any given point, you can be distracted. And um, yeah. that I found the hardest thing of back in my day was just to, spend time with yourself to get to know yourself and um you know Mm -hmm. i do put um having been on my journey a phenomenal one to actually get to where i am now to have spent that time but it isn't easy it's you know we can kind of um dismiss feelings and everything by keeping busy or you know kind of seeking something that you know we don't know is in sight but it's kind of just sitting there and um you know just being with yourself can be very hard without something and you know we all have our days as well it's you know um I'm very open I've kept a daily um yoga practice for almost 10 years now and it's not like it looks on Instagram do you know what I mean it's like you're not getting up there flowing every day it's some days I'm just dragging myself there and I'm like all right let's just sit and let's just breathe you know it's um 
that whole just being with yourself and that's a practice in itself and um you know I guess that's with society as well as um you know we're not made to be perfect we're made to go through this experience and um you know check in where we are that it's you know um evolving so it's like yes we do have these typical um I guess umbrella terms of mental health and um even addiction per se but to some point like everybody is going through something and um I guess that's like very interesting I think with um yeah the terms of addiction and mental health as well that you know we're getting better in society by um being really open um I don't know if you've noticed too Nick um you know in the last two years you know you're just having real conversations with people um I know I can be in the lift of like my apartment elevator and you know you just ask someone how they're going and they'll generally say what's going on so I believe Mm -hmm. like people are talking to terms and you know, as I've spoken about, like we do have the umbrella terms for mental health and people may be clinically um, uh, struggling or diagnosed with something. But generally people do have, like everybody has mental health. Like it's just can be a scary word for some people, but that's what we're made up in our bodies. We've got our physical health and our mental health. And I feel like it is getting better um, by having the conversations, but we're also dealing with a very different time. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, like you were saying, no one is perfect and we shouldn't strive to be perfect because, you know, that doesn't exist anyway. What does that even mean? It's actually the, the, the real things and the important things and the meaningful things in life actually come from the imperfect things. And uh, we need to be okay with that and be able to make mistakes and learn from them and be vulnerable. And, you know, that's what life's actually about. And it is, it's a scary thing, like what you were saying, where, um, I mean, I'm a similar age to you and I grew up, luckily feel very fortunate that grew up just before, you know, technology had just become as crazy as, as it is now and social media and everything. Um, and being, you know, the park kicking the footy every afternoon or climbing trees or whatever. Um, but now it, it, it's so hard to avoid, you know, even if you are doing that work on yourself and you're aware of it, how do you how do you control it when we live in a world driven by technology where we've got mass media, where we have this thing in our hand that's highly addictive 24-7? Uh, even when you're conscious about it, it's really tough. So it's, it's kind of crazy and it does give more of an opportunity to get these messages out. And like you said, you know, I started talking about mental health and, just awareness in this area over 10 years ago and seeing now from where it was then people are willing to talk about it which is fantastic so i think the next thing is how do we actually make those changes and one of the other things i was going to talk about with you which i think it sounds like we've probably got that in common where for me i mean i wouldn't go through what i've been through again but i wouldn't change anything because going through the pain, going through the discomfort, struggling, having, you know, t- really dark times, that that made me have to, at a very young age, look into, look deep inside myself, question everything, find what I really wanted to stand for, how I wanted to live my life. And it actually led to, you know, finding what I wanted to do and finding who I, or at least exploring who I was. Um, I think that is often a big part of it. Um, sounds like it's similar for you. And I think the issue that we face is a lot of people don't want to face discomfort um, and they don't want to have to work for things. You know, we want instant gratification. But, you know, would you say that's a similar experience you've, you've had? Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo- loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it, and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Oh, absolutely.
Absolutely, Nick. And thanks for sharing too. I'm kind of like I was nodding a lot, getting like a few goosebumps too of just knowing that journey too. And as, as you said, mm-hmm. being in age, like say it bluntly, it was like mental health wasn't cool. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was really interesting to grow up in that time too, you know, to openly speak, to go, look, I'm not feeling well. And, you know, it takes a lot of vulnerability to, um, you know, own the journey as well um, in that regard. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that so much, but I can definitely relate. As I said, um, you probably nailed it there with the wording of, like, I wouldn't do it again. I got some goosebumps when you said that. (laughs) But would I change it? No. It was, I remember feeling, probably, I don't know if you relate to, but I remember feeling so weird at the time. Like, it was just, you know, I remember being in hospital, um, you know, for this eating disorder. And as I said, like people were living their life, but I thought there was something fundamentally wrong with me. I really did. Um, Just, you know, I like to think that everyone's on their journey. It was like life maybe hit us a bit earlier than it hit other people with issues that, you know, cause you to go on and um, relate very much into I wouldn't be doing what I did now. I wouldn't be the person I was. And, you know, it's um, quite interesting. I know a lot of my core values are, very different to how I thought they would have been growing up. So it was more, um, you know, coming from a very um, quite high-achieving family, I thought, you know, it would be daily on the grind, you know, thinking of the deals, like getting in there and everything. But it was Mm. just scaled back to, you know, my primary um, for me is just waking up and it was how do I feel good today? And that's just everything for me. So it's... um, a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, as I said, it's um, I've had this daily practice of yoga that looks nothing glamorous. Like, sure, some days um, you're in a sauna for, you know, an hour or two. Some days you're just dragging yourself to the mat. And yep. um, it's all about what is making you feel good. So, you know, whether it's that nutrition and, you know, it's getting outside, it's exercise, it's, you know, takes a lot to feel good. And that's doing self-work. Yeah, which is, I feel, equivalent of, um, you know, maybe that internal journey rather than the external journey. At some point, it's going to just be in different ways for different people. So, yeah, full respect to where you've come from through and um, going through it all because it's um, at the point, you know, it's definitely that dark night of the soul where, you know, you're just kind of riding the waves going, is this me? And um, not realising that, you know, when you work through things that it's um, your appreciation of life on the other side is maybe a lot better before you went on that wild ride. Yeah, no, appreciate that. But I, yeah, totally agree with what you're saying there. And I think um, we, you know, live our lives looking at how do I get, how do I achieve this? How do I get to this certain point? How do I, you know, I need this, I need to compete with this person and have this and do that. And it's, there's no end point to it. Whereas if you can sort of break it down in a more simple way, like you're saying, you know, what do I need to do today to feel good? And not think yes. really any further. And and I think what you're talking about there with, you know, having those habits, I think are just critical for anyone, especially, you know, if you do, if, like for me, I think I've got similar in a different way, things that I've had to deal with, like what you're talking about, where I, um, you know, exercise every day, that's just non-negotiable or six days a week. And then I meditate and I do certain things where um, it makes me feel good. And no matter what's happening in my life, um and often there's things that you can't control or you're frustrated with but you know that you can actually like you're saying drag yourself to to yoga or i can drag myself to the gym and sometimes you don't feel like doing it it might be a bad session but it's that feeling of i've done something for myself today and nothing else may positive may come out of the day but you've been able to do that and i think you know it's such a simple thing like it's something that we all sort of know and a lot of this common sense stuff, you know, we we understand what what the, uh, the the education's out there. We know what's good for us, but we don't actually do these things regularly, and we look outside for the answers to all of these different things. And and you know, you, and you see it with people that 
think that making a huge amount of money will solve their problems. And then that's just getting, that's just another addiction of, okay, I've now got that. What do I do next? You know, you've got to still live your life. So it's sort of crazy how hard we make our lives, you know, when really we can just simplify it and look at how do I, how do I just make today positive? You know, what, how do I deal with what's in front of me right now? And, you know, tomorrow I'll do the same thing. Yes. Yeah. No, I completely agree, Nick. It's, um, you know, I think <laughs> these times now that we have had um, exactly what you were talking about before, you know, um, you know, access to social media or, you know, everything is just so available at all times. And, you know, it's I'm very honest and real with my life too. It's, you know, everybody gets drawn into that. Sometimes, you know, I could be sitting on my phone and, you know, you meant to just check an email, but, you know, it's been 25 minutes and you don't know how you opened all those apps. Like, you know, everybody goes through something like that. And it's... um just what makes you do is go it's just creating I guess that self-awareness which I think um you know that is that kind of um reflection of your like mental health of going is this making me feel good and um you know just having a bit of that self-talk as well um because it is we do live in an interesting time and it's even going back to um what you were saying as um, like I'm really thankful that, you know, we did have a bit of a childhood. I remember playing with my neighbours, riding bikes and, you know, playing touch footy and things as well um, growing up, whereas, you know, it is different now. I have a daughter who's six years old and, um, you know, even learning from day one, she's at prep now. It's, you know, it is on iPads. And although that's, um, you know, great that's still learning, it's just different having technology, which, um, you know, comes with just this different time than, um feel down the track that, you know, we are going to have to, as a whole, as um, many people just step back and um, really just get back in touch with ourselves as well. But, um, you know, it is a new space, space that we are exploring and um, just interesting to see the effects of, um, you know, people not feeling good um, in general. As you spoke to it, you know, people might be um, wanting to make lots of money, but, um, you know, I really do use Instagram as a whole, um, you know, um, just that whole route of um, just trying to achieve something. And, you know, as you said at the beginning, it's like there is no such thing as perfection. So it's just been a little bit lost in translation, I think, um, of the coming years. But sometimes I think we do go through these things for an alternative to come. So, you know, maybe that's going to make a lot more people aware of does this make me feel good and what do I need to do to feel good? But here's hope. Yeah, exactly. And and I think, like you were saying before, trusting in where you're at right now and, you know, what, not thinking too far ahead and what's, you know, right for me right now. And if I am, you know, the thing that I'm trying to strive for, it'll, it'll happen when it's meant to happen, not trying to force things and rush things and feel like we have to, you know, use achievement to validate who we are, but um, finding that balance of, you know, being ambitious, trusting that, you know, that it'll happen as it's meant to when the time's right, but also not, yeah, not having that pressure because it's just not, not a healthy way to live life. And it often stems from trying to justify who we are. You know, we, we need to realise we're enough now as we are. We don't have to, you know, get approval from anyone to say that we're enough. Yes. Yeah. No, I completely relate. So it'd be very interesting to see where we're all going <clears throat> as a society, I think. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, how how important would you say, I mean, you do a lot of work in nutrition and how, how important would you say that is for mental health? Is, is there a correlation there? Um, how, how much does it affect it? You know, what, what are the, what are some things that come in that? Oh, absolutely, Nick. I think, um, again, lived experience is a blessing, but it's, you have to be eating well to be feeling well. And um, that's what I've learned in my time. So um, it was really interesting. So looking at health as an absolute um, whole, it's, you know, for a long time we have just looked at physical health as being like the holy grail. But it has been um, in recent times where I guess even the space I'm working in and um, what we're exposed to is people are looking at the impact of um, physical health on mental health. And, um, you know, that's another thing with experience. We all know that, you know, um, if you eat pizza for three days in a row, you know, you haven't had any water, no one's feeling good. 
you know, it might be okay at first with that kind of instant gratification, but three days into it, you're not feeling well and you're not thinking well. So it's nutrition really has that link, um, you know, and it's, I think we all have come a long way to know that when we do eat better, we are feeling better. And um, it all comes down to, um, I guess, what you are eating and how you're eating. My journey myself um, with irregular eating and having rigid rules around things, um, I, I wasn't feeling great. You know, I did develop those symptoms of um, anxiety um, a lot. And really interesting, actually, Nick, I saw your post yesterday about how coffee wasn't a food group. And <laughs> did laugh entirely. As a nutritionist, that's just something that you look at that, you know, um, you know, as a society, um, this is actually a good segue into that is, um, you know, many people do skip breakfast and um, go straight for the coffee, but that is um, linked to raising your cortisol levels, which essentially that is your stress hormone. So, you know, mm. you will feel anxious. That is a physical response to, um, you know, that coffee is a meal replacement as well. So, whether you have um, a diagnosis of mental health, like anxiety is a physical feeling in the body. Um, so I only had to laugh too much when you posted that yesterday. As a nutritionist, <laughs> that's just, you know, your worst fear when you're like, please don't do that if you want to feel it. <laughs> um, but it's a huge link. Like nutrition is also linked to your sleep patterns as well. It's linked to your energy. So, you know, when you have those energy drops, you're not feeling well. You just want to curl up in a ball and sleep. So you've got to be eating well to have the energy. You've got to be eating well to sleep properly. So that works with your hormones as well and the regulation of, um, you know, your actual deep sleep patterns that you need to think clearly. You need that to perform. So hand-in-hand nutrition plays really big roles. Um, you know, it's linked to your brain function. So as a nutritionist, I talk deeply um, going to the more scientific form of it of, um you know, the, you need your essential fats. So that really fuels your brain. But, you know, for a long time in society, people have thought that is bad. Now, for me as a mm. nutritionist, that's, you know, I want to step in and go, you know, no, you've got to dig deeper. Fat is not bad. Um, you know, you think of the different things, but we're talking here about the omega-3s, the omega-6s. You need that to be thinking clearly. Um, that's generation for your brain and um, how you're actually going to think and um, just a different use of vitamins that you need. So... This was um, the journey that I took of learning that, you know, B vitamins, they're going to, you know, really give you that energy again um, to, so to say, um, you know, in Australia, we all know that ad Barocca BB bounce, but it's true as a nutritionist, I wouldn't recommend that, but it's talking about um, B vitamins do um, raise your energy and get that production going that you kind of need there. And um, talking to the deeper level of even magnesium, that does a lot for your central nervous system. And what we do in a society is um, we overshoot that. So when we're working too hard, when we're not taking care of ourselves, our nervous system is the first one to be impacted. So that's where you do experience um, stress at a very high level or physical anxiety. And um, magnesium is a key nutrient that you need in your body to just keep that um, grounding and leveling there. So nutrition is, I want to say, essential, crucial, like it's, if you want to have good mental health, you've got to have good nutrition. And again, that um, requires you to, you know, do your own self-research. So, you know, even we do have professionals, um, you know, we have people who can guide us in the right direction. But essentially this path, as you know, Nick, too, it's, you know, you've got to explore yourself of what works for you um, and you've got to really look at your diet as well. And, um, you know, we do have these fad diets that are out at the moment. Um, or not the moment, they're <laughs> always around. Um, yeah they're short-lived no one's ever gone um i won't just any diets and specifically but no one's ever gone on a fad diet and continued to go on that and live a flourishing grounding productive focused life so it all comes back to nutrition as a whole and um what you're feeding yourself through the ways of supplements and how that kind of really um goes with your energy and your production and just your drive and your general outlook on life so um, if you're not eating well, you are not thinking well. And um, that has been something that through personal experience that I've known, but now also professionally, why I live and breathe and work in the space of, you know, wanting to help people really feel their best as well. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And um, and I guess with fad diets, what it sounds like to me is 
I mean, if you applied that same thinking to the fitness industry saying, oh, you know, if you just do this special program of doing, um, you know, this six-week thing and do blah, 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 then it's going to forever solve all your issues with it. It's like, well, it's black and white. It's like if you want to get do that stuff long-term, you've got to find what works for you, what can you sustain, how can you make it into, you know, a regular habit and stick to it long-term and keep challenging yourself. And that's not going to come from any fad um and i think it, it's again that thing of looking for the for the short the quick fix sort of things um something i'm interested in is what what are your views on on fasting or intermittent fasting things like that i mean a lot of people i've heard a lot of people talk about doing the you know skipping breakfast having the sort of 16 hour period where you stop eating after dinner and you don't eat again till lunchtime what's your view on that because I've, I've heard very mixed things i've talked to a lot of people in mental health as well that'll say that can be really bad for certain people for their mental health because you need you know you need to eat in the morning but then a lot of other people swear by swear by it so yeah interested to hear what you think yeah, and this is um, this will always be a battle, Nick. Too of you know, as we just spoke about, um, you know, essentially you need to get to know your own body of what works for you. I know for me and um, the field that I work in, um, mental health is breakfast is crucial if you're in it for the long run. So much like you just spoke about with those programs and things like, yeah, that might be a great six weeks, but what goes up will come down eventually, and that's the yin and yang of life. So. I really work with the aspect of everything in moderation, everything in balance, and that comes down to eating breakfast. So essentially, um, if you look at it from a more scientific angle, angle, it's you have fasted through the night and mm. um, you need that blood sugar in the morning to um, get you going. Like, yes, you can kind of push through and, you know, people will talk about using the stores as to why you can burn up fat but if you're wanting to keep um, your anxiety down, um, if you're wanting to really work to feeling good and fueling your brain, essentially, if you're looking for that productivity and um, keeping that nice grounding, it's, you know, when you have eaten a meal and you can sit down and it's a bit like, ah, oh, and you notice your body go into that digest phase, that gives you the fuel that you can keep going instead of drawing from the stores. So... From a mental health perspective, I'm a huge candidate for do eat your breakfast, um, particularly what was spoken about with that coffee too. It's people won't eat the breakfast, but they'll go for the coffee and that is just a cup of anxiety, like ready. <laughs> and um, it's just Can we that. still have coffee though? Oh, or? definitely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, like, I am a good, good. That I include. <laughs> I have coffee and I have chocolate daily, so... Um, it's yeah it is still there and um you know it is recommended to have it with food actually um or a little bit away from it but you know it's whatever works for you in that regard um but all around there are different views as to why people do fast and do that and sure if you're looking for a weight loss perspective it can be fantastic but i'm talking from a long-term mental health lifestyle um, perspective that it's always come back to balance and moderation and um, breakfast is going to give you that grounding, that productivity. You're not drawing from, um, you know, your body. You're keeping your blood sugar in, in check, which has a lot to do with your mood. Um, you know, we talk about people being hangry and that's a result of your blood sugar just going into a state that it doesn't want to be. So, yeah, you're going to, um, you know, you've got to keep, eat your food to um, keep that mood as well. So, um, eating breakfast is really just going to kick stump for that. So I'm a huge advocate for it. Yeah, and no, I love that. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and I guess like I before I finish up, I've got we finish with five sort of questions that we have at the end of every episode. But are there are there any other things you personally do daily? I mean, you've talked a bit about it, but um, that that help you. Um, I guess yoga, eating, eating well, diet, anything else that works yeah, for you. Absolutely. And um, exercise is a big one for me. And, Nick, I talk about this um, from coming from a background of exercise addiction. Um, when you do make a recovery, it was um, exercise for me that it was, it was about reaching a goal. It was about losing weight. But when you're coming on the other side, it's about how you're feeling. I know I've got to be moving. So when um, body is in flow, mind is in flow. So um it's, I don't live a calculated life. So whether I'm running in the morning or I'm going for a power walk, that, power walk that's dependent on 
how I feel and I'll just assess that in the morning. But that is something I've got to do and, um, you know, get outside and um, take a mindful moment like on the topic of coffee, like I like to go to my cafe every day and just sit. That's where I just feel, you know, I'll do that. I like to call it my um, self-check-in for the day. So I'll take myself to coffee and I'll just, you know, how am I feeling and, um, you know, how is this day going to be? How am I going to best use this in that regards? But there are, I really try my best to um, practice what I preach through lifestyle and, you know, I'm not perfect. Nobody is, but there are definitely key steps that I do take. And that's for me. Um, I like to work with supplements as well, just so I know that I am meeting um, my nutritional needs. And um, yeah, just that I like to keep present just as an overall um, for lifestyle as well. But it would definitely be looking after my nutrition, keeping a yoga practice, um, doing my exercise in the form of a walk or a run. And um, yeah, just staying connected is a big one for me. So that's kind of what I need to um, really, I guess, kickstart my day. And then the rest is I leave it up to where that goes. So which has created some really good, amazing opportunities because I believe when you're feeling well, you're thinking well and you're attracting well. And, um, yeah, that's it's worked for me. Totally. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so these, these final, these can be quick sort of answers, just whatever comes to mind, um, but we finish every episode with these. So... Uh, the first one is, what's your best childhood experience that comes to mind? <laughs> that always <laughs> takes back childhood memories. <laughs> I still have a traumatic one. <laughs> Let's go back to the good ones. I know, um, after you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a journey. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. I really had um, a good good childhood in hindsight. Um it was probably going to boarding school and growing up with country girls and spending time on their properties that would just, you know, take you back to really like just ground roots. So growing up in the city to do that and spend time with my country girlfriends growing up and we're still best mates today. That was just everything in our childhood. Yeah, beautiful. Um, what would you say is the biggest burden on mental health um, in society at the moment? Oh, technology. Yeah. <laughs> that we all need it. Yeah. Um, we can't live without it. Um, it's just more of a space that I'm really, like, I just like to observe and that's in myself, that's in everyone. Um, I just think it's um, it's a lot at the moment. Um, and, yeah, I guess it's just holding in and best managing how we can and having these conversations as well to see how it makes us feel at all times. But I'd say technology. Absolutely. I think that's what, yeah, I'd say 90% of the people that come on here say the technology or social media or something, and I, I agree. I think it's like it probably is. It's like facilitating so many problems. So, um, yeah. <laughs> what um, are you most proud of that you've done in your life? I mean, you've talked about a lot of amazing things. What's, or what's one thing you're proud of? I'd have to say... Um... Just, I know it comes back to just like being able to like be in the moment and sit with myself. That was just such a big thing. But um, also going on to have my daughter, uh, that was an interesting, oh, everything, um, is that I um, wasn't sure I was ever going to have children um, just from um, being in such a low medical position in my life. And um, she's just gone on to be an absolute blessing. She's my teacher. Um, it's just her and I actually. Um, mm. uh, just as a single mom, but, um, you know, we do a co-parenting situation um, with her dad as well. So she has the best of both worlds, but she's been mm -hmm. my proudest achievement just as working that team dynamic. And, you know, in regards to life as well, it's just, she's really taught me of, you can only control what's in front of you now. And she's just been that beautiful blessing. So I definitely say it's amazing. It's a 10 year anniversary of Underbrax and we've relaunched with the classic white pair We've also got new styles coming out super soon. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health, currently to one in five. You can find all of this at www.underbrax.com. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's so nice. So I've got two more here. Um, what what are you most afraid of? Oh, this is a good one. I talk about this often <laughs> with my partner. Um, <laughs> Unfulfilled potential is definitely my scariest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm sure you can probably relate to Nick. It's just, 
I feel now from maybe going what we have gone through that you realize life is short and you know you have experiences where um, people's lives can be gone in the blink of the eye and when you really enjoy life like I do now it's just you want to make the moments count and you know when you know better in yourself you do better so it's um definite that fear that it's you know you don't go through life um doing all the things that you know you know that you want to kind of see get done and do and um just fulfill your full potential um so just the thought of not doing that kind of really itches sometimes totally agree no that's that's the thing that's my biggest fear of just being at, looking back and thinking you know could have i done more so as long as there's not like a what if at the end of it then that's okay yes um, not having a what if nicely yeah <laughs> Um, so final one, what would you say is your personal definition of happiness? Ooh, my personal definition of happiness, just really simple times. Um, I know lately that I've been with my partner and it's just my happiest is just, um, like having a deep conversation and just being, um, you know, we both kind of live, um, big lives, but you could put us gutter together you could put us in the middle of anywhere and it's just being there with each other is just that feeling of just happiness just scale everything back and you know I could be in the dodgiest location and just being so yeah my partner's really lovely like that and yeah just um the simple times really is my epitome epitome of happiness that's so nice, and that's that's the thing. That's what it that's what it should be. So I love that, and love all the answers. And um, yeah, thank you for being so open on here. I've really enjoyed it. I know our viewers will take a lot out of it. And um, before we finish, where where can we send anyone listening if they want to learn more about you? Um, I'll put all of the links in the in the show notes and um, when we promote it. But where 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 can where can they go to, to learn more? Um, I, speaking of the technology, I do keep, um, <laughs> an Instagram account, um, as we yep. do and, um, you know, I try my best to, um, you know, just do a bit of lifestyle or yoga or, you know, I, I try to keep it as real as possible. Um, so I can be found at Lexi.crouch there. And, um, also my website is www.lexicrouch.com, which, um, you know, talks more about like clinic consultant, uh, consultancy or, um. I guess I'm um, working a bit in media and um, there's outlets there, but yeah, that's where I can be found. Perfect. Well, make sure to, I'm sure they will, but yeah, make sure to check the links out. We'll have them in the show notes and yeah, thank you again for, for making the time. I'm, I'm so glad we got to do it and love everything that you're doing. Oh no, thank you Nick and your work too. It's been an absolute privilege and um, hearing all and yeah, it's just been really great to have such a down to earth chat and um, thank you for all you do. Appreciate it. Thanks to Lexi Crouch for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is available to order at nickbrax.com book. You can join the Move Your Mind community, get behind the scenes content, videos, events, support groups, and much, much more at moveyourmind.me. And you can support mental health by ordering a pair of underbrax with a dollar going towards different mental health charities. You can find all of that at www.underbrax.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 